again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, a program presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization working for social change for more than 25 years meanwhile. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. And we're broadcasting from the 3CR studio on the land of the Wurundjeri people and the Kulin Nation. Of the Kulin of Nation. The Kulin. This is our 221st program, and today we are reflecting on the aftermath of the voice referendum. Now, about three weeks later, the dejection of the Yes Voice after their defeat has abated a bit. Mm-hmm. And as has some of the graceless crowing of no campaigners after their victory. I must say, I heard some of the meanest, graceless victory speeches I've ever heard, mm. including across all sporting codes and mm. political contests. Exactly. But thankfully, we can now hear some more reasoned and reflective statements, hopefully yeah. from all sides. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think, I think again we had been offering before the referendum several programs intended to help listeners come to grips with both content and context of the Voice initiative. Yeah, the, and for those on Mars who don't know, that's the initiative of an Aboriginal advisory body to Parliament. We argued that our constitution really does need some urgent updating. Several racist elements of the early decades of the existence of the Australian Federated Nation have not been effectively eliminated from the text. Yeah, and our constitution still doesn't include statements, any statements about citizens' rights. Yeah, and because of the fact that it's being based on precedent, the Australian constitution still has elements of, I would say, less than illustrious British imperial traditions. Yeah, <laughs> like an inherited racialized virus <laughs> in yeah. our body politic. Exactly. And we invited, in the before the uh, referendum, uh, Victorian Aboriginal uh, people involved in the Voice Treaty truth-telling process. Treaty truth-telling. Yeah. yeah, Voice Treaty truth-telling. <laughs> in Victoria, showing that the Voice process does have merit is nothing to be afraid of and would be a meaningful next step in the conciliation and reparation process we need to engage in. And that was our last program in September. That's right. And finally, in our last program, just the day before the referendum, we shared how big money was supporting the no vote via so-called think tanks and by deliberately spreading falsehoods and misinformation about the potential outcomes of a yes vote. Then after the deep disappointment of the no vote victory, Aboriginal groups asked for a weak respite, Mm. mourning and reflection, something we thought was a wise thing to propose. 
Yeah, and and showing enormous dignity, I thought, and thoughtfulness uh, under the circumstances. Mm, that's right. So we waited a little bit long, longer, but in the three weeks since, we have been able to collect our thoughts and helped by several important bits of published comment. First, let's listen to what the group who initiated the Uluru Statement shared with us. What's being greatly hurt by the historical and inherent racism and ignorance undergirding the no vote and its victory, the Uluru group acknowledges the fact that well over 5 million Australians actually voted yes. Mm. That is an immense amount of citizens who have been prepared to not just say sorry, but who are prepared, prepared to, start. to start and continue the process of truth-telling of acknowledging the historical and present damage done and of recognizing the wealth of knowledge and wisdom Aboriginal peoples have contributed and will con continue to contribute if given the chance. The group, the Uluru group, pledges to continue the fight and still holds out the invitation to sit together and think and act together for a better future for all. Yeah. And while the generosity in the Uluru Statement has not been answered in the referendum, it still re remains alive, I think, in the hearts of those who invited the nation to listen to their voice, which is remarkable when you think of it. Yeah. So let's have a look at what others have said following the voice referendum's defeat. In the New Daily, Bayami Williamson suggested that many will remember the 14th of October 2023 as the day reconciliation died. To quote her, the defeat of the referendum may not have surprised many of us, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. After all, we have become accustomed to disappointment. Nonetheless, it is a devastating and demoralizing blow. We must take stock of this political disaster and consider where it leaves us as a nation and as a society of people and in what direction we walk from here. Mm. And Williamson names the elephant in the room, that is racism in Australia, which we like to pretend doesn't exist here. XPM John Howard knew this too well when he changed the UN International Day of Eliminating Racial Discrimination to the much nicer sounding Harmony Day in mm. 1999. Yeah. Oh God, I remember it well. But uh, Barbie Williamson isn't afraid to call this out, saying that ignoring patterns of racism and a relentless racist dialogue from some in the No campaign is to be willfully and knowingly indifferent. To quote her again, she says, Racism is a drug, and Australia has an addiction. Our insistence on this has elicited strong rejections from mainstream Australians who have preferred to see racist events, like for example, the Northern Territory intervention, the 2005 Cronulla riots, the booing of AFL player Adam Goods, to see those as isolated instances. For us, these instances were never isolated. They joined together in a chain of prejudice, which began with the arrival 
of the First Fleet. Unquote. Moving to other commentators, we talked about who talked about the role of the opposition parties in the no vote. Yeah, like the Nationals, of course, and the Liberals forming the coalition. Mm. Yeah. James Walter from Monash University, writing in the conversation, seems to almost lament how liberal leaders in the past were able to look back with remorse at the lost opportunities. There was Hasluck, Liberal MP from 1949 to 69, Minister for Territories in the 50s, who was constrained by his own political framework. Liberal PMs like McMahon, McMahon, McMahon? McMahon yeah, and Turnbull, hobbled by their colleagues' policy priorities. PM Malcolm Fraser was too cautious. So to quote James Walter, above all, they recognized that their failure lay in not having heard what indigenous communities told them. One might have expected the cumulative knowledge of these, pol of these policy leaders to have influenced their peers, yet what they had learned was rarely understood by their successors." End of quote. By contrast, ex-PM Howard and his Minister for Indigenous Affairs, Malbroff, inventors of the inven intervention from 2007, they started a new generation, not at all remorseful of the failures of the past. Mm. In fact, Jacques, even to suggest they failed Aboriginal people was described as a black armband mm. version of history, or folded with that. No doubt making voters feel bad about themselves does not play well in the ballot box. Mm. So the intervention, just like policies of assimilation, was based on the idea that First Nations people were somehow saved by a superior white civilization. Yeah, exactly. And the government should keep trying to save Aboriginal people and communities by imposing its will on them. As played out in their Northern Territory up to 2012, the intervention, or what's called the intervention, included pretty wide-sweeping impositions like changes to social security payments and the management of education, employment and health services. Mm. Mm. And as James Walter puts it in his piece in the conversation, Howard and Bruff were frustrated that their successors had not seen the intervention fully developed. Taken to, further. <laughs> yeah, to address dysfunction in Aboriginal communities. He says, Walter says, the conviction, their conviction is a manifestation of the persistence of settler liberalism now so much embedded in the contemporary coalition's engagement in the voice debate. So here we are, cycling back decades, while the remorse of liberal in innovators about the limitations of what they could achieve for and with Aboriginal people is forgotten." Mm. End of quote. Yeah, I love that. Cycling back decades. Yes, it, it was really startling how coalition no campaigners were able to bring back old colonial racist tropes, um, mm -hmm. seemingly with impunity and without embarrassment, mm. like saying Aboriginal people are better off because of being colonised. 
<laughs> undoing decades of efforts to raise community awareness mm -hmm. and um and and the other trope aboriginal people should be assimilated in the dominant white culture and such propositions led by some aboriginal leaders on the conservative side no less to the glee of all the white coalition leaders who would have been even they would have been too shamefaced to say mm. those things out loud mm, that's right well to paraphrase walter settler liberalism was reincarnated as a solve that Haslock, Fraser and others would have thought discredited even in their day. And two days ago we heard former PM Howard saying that he never was comfortable with even the concept of multiculturalism. Mm. Yeah. I just wasn't was amazed seeing him in England being listened to with veneration as an old elder of mm. the Liberal Party. So here we are, cycling back decades. So we better have a break now, I think, so a bit of music. Talk Different, Raise Your Voice by Edgar Loop, MJR, Miss Hood and Stan Yara Munua. Everybody raise your voice Raise your voice The time has come to make a choice It's time to make a change Why are you waiting? Dreaming of a bad day With the same sunlight's our way Sing it, cuz For the sacred land we pray I'll be singing this truth. I feel the moment is coming, that's when we all gotta move. They don't believe in my greatness, well, they'll believe in me soon. I wasn't born to win my brother, I was born to improve because I talk different. Yeah. Because I walk different. Yeah. Just because we ain't the same, don't mean that we can't change. I leave a legacy to you for future better days. Let's go. For more than six hours, a river of people poured over Sydney Harbour, the biggest march in Australia's history. Somewhat mutations, huh? Time is on the clock and I got patience. Why are you waiting? I'm the greatest. I'm the kid your mother told you not to play with. Got the soul, got the soul. Like I came with both my trainers. It's the DNA of genetics. The way I rock with the motion, you would have thought it's kinetics. I only came for my credit. Foot down, I'm doing ME. That's me. Told my nanny, watch the box, cause I'll be going flat screen. You couldn't bully who? Bully me. I might be bulletproof or bullet free. listening to Think Again on 3CR Radio, 855am on your dial and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're pulling together some reflections on the failure of the voice referendum. 
as well as the evidence that racist colonial attitudes towards Aboriginal people are pretty entrenched in Australia, there has also been criticism of the strategy of the Yes campaign and the timing of the referendum. Catherine Murphy in The Guardian, quoting political analyst Peter Brent, has this to say, and I quote, History tells us mid-term Labour government referendums get slaughtered, partly because Liberal opposition is all but inevitable. People voted no in large numbers for a bunch of reasons. They didn't vote no because Peter Dutton told them to. Progressive people voted no. Some Rastodon Liberals voted yes. But Dutton's decision to say no and help flood the zone with shit was certainly part of the reason public support for The Voice tanked. I want to be very clear about this. We see you, Peter Dutton. We know what you did. Mm. End of quote. Yeah, we see you, Peter Dutton. We know what you did, and we're watching what you do from now on. Yeah, I never stop to be amazed at those who'd sacrifice the public good for their own political amb ambitions. I never quite believed it, but mm. it does happen. We saw this happen again, and I guess we have to factor that into any strategies in the future, mm -hmm. uh, or any strategy to improve the lot of marginalised people in particular. Well, speaking of strategy, Catherine Murphy points out many will speculate on whether PM Albanese should have continued with the referendum once opposition leader Dutton declared he would oppose it. Also, more liberal MPs might have supported the referendum if the wording of the constitutional amendment had been different. But, again, to quote Murphy, the majority should have had the grace to deliver for the minority. But we failed the grace test. We, certainly, we certainly did. Hmm. Then comes Nikki Sava in her customary cut-through way turned to the effect of the social media, spreading and amplifying lies about the referendum, with no apparent concern for truthfulness, and she thought it offered a glimpse into the future. Yeah, a future where populist leaders triumph with the support of a gullible population in some sort of Trumpian-like dystopia. And Nikki Savick gives a delightful sample of some of the lies of the No campaign spread on social media. Just a few examples. Chinese Australians were told via WeChat messages, among many other things, that a future referendum would see them expelled from the country <laughs> and that it would provide Indigenous kids with free places at private schools, meaning Chinese Australian children would either be unable to get in or their fees would skyrocket. And that from the Stop the Boat people, can you imagine? And our regular commentator, Michael Pascoe, in the New Daily has this to add, and quote, From us media, it's about clicks and the nature of news. For social media, it's the algorithms driving engagement, clicks by another name, and the nature of fear and courage. An outrageous statement by a no campaigner is bad news. But it is also good news because it gets the clicks 
clicking. Offended yes voters engage with the outrage and it kicks on in social media. The no cheer squad <laughs> and the trolls, they amplify every lie. Meanwhile, the yes story has remained the same from the outset. It hasn't changed, can't change. You can't invent fresh explanations of goodwill, saying the same thing all the time, mm. end of quote. Or even repeating the truth. That's right. <laughs> um, and and you can't al- so you can't always counter lies with truth. I think we, Jacques, we learned that in the fires of gambling research and totally. policy some years ago. Mm. The gambling industry reps would say whatever they liked, bold-faced lies, while knowing full well their statements had been disproved by solid research years before. But yeah. they mm. knew it stuck. They yeah. just keep saying them. Totally. And then there's the balance thing requested of the media, especially, of course, from our public broadcasters, the ABC. Here comes Michael Pascoe again in the New Daily. For most of the Murdoch media running a no campaign, either explicitly or by the balance subterfuge, was a foregone conclusion, given their political and social alignment with the Liberal and National parties, which in turn were always going to oppose the voice. The balance uh, question also features in media that don't operate as a political party. The easy example of balance failure is the disproportionate coverage that has tended to be given to indigenous no-campaigners, when the overwhelming majority of Indigenous Australians are or were for the yes camp. Mm, unquote. Mm. Yeah, so no wonder uh, Nikki Savage says that journalists and media outlets need to review the way they cover things. She points out that balance cannot be measured by counting down to the last second how much airtime or column inches each side gets, as this too often comes at the expense of truth. Just think of all the coverage that's been given to climate change deniers mm-hmm. over the years I, I, with the idea that they should be given equal time. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Way too much time and, of course, imperiling all our futures and future of the planet for that matter. So to quote Sava, it is not the job of journalists to publish lies, nor is it okay to allow one side to make an outrageous claim then put it to the other side to rebut then count that as balance that distorts and helps destroy civil debate balance also is not achieved by refusing to broadcast a yes event for instance as frequently happened because the no's were a Mm no-show that is not covering the news that skews the news because it deprives one side of the opportunity to put its case while providing cover for the other. That's Unquote. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, so Nikki Sava. <laughs> exactly. The idea of balance has a lot to do with our democratic system being built on an outdated and rather silly two-party system, all the other parties being relegated to the so-called cross-benches. We have talked about this in previous programs. If you think about it, the assumption that a seating arrangement in the British Parliament several hundred years ago 
could still be a meaningful way to organize political debates and opinions. That is just ludicrous. Mm -hmm. Creating the balance between two necessarily competing parties is especially fraught when debating issues considered of national interest, like defense and security, and as we now have seen, issues to do with the Constitution. Balance represents a dead point of opinion at the political center between the seemingly necessary oppositional way of thinking and arguing. The dead center, which can accommodate the zero sum of diverse opinion in a so-called democracy, in which there only seem to be two opinions allowed, mm. and therefore relevant. In the end, leaving vital national and international issues to the whims and interests of the forces that already have a surplus of power. Mm. At the end of his previously quoted article, Michael Pascoe muses, maybe the optimism of the years of conversation that built the Uluru statement did result in the wrong order. Maybe Australia needed truth-telling first. End of quote. Indeed, the two-party dynamic killed it off. Yeah. I must say, I concluded the same thing. We, we need truth-telling and truth-listening <laughs> Mm -hmm. and the willingness to listen to the truth and the capacity to listen to the mm -hmm. truth and only then some moving forward together working out how to do that and perhaps we had to have the referendum to understand how deep this need is in the aftermath of the no vote in the avalanche of twitter and facebook comments which ranged from told you we would win or that will teach the elites, mm -hmm. or to blaming political uh, politicians either supporting or campaigning for the yes or the no vote, one Twitter message for me stood out, as it captures the complexity of culture, system and personal attitudes, which together condition a referendum in Australia. And mm -hmm. I quote that Twitter, I love a timid country. A land of scare campaigns, where mindless bogan slogans just overtake our brains. The stunted short horizons of those who will not see, who presented with alternatives, think only me, me, me. Well done. Uh, just On a couple of community announcements. Yes, uh, we yesterday had our third at Borderlands in Footscray had our third uh, alternative economics conversation uh, with uh, Anitra Nelson talking about degrowth. We had over 20 people there, and we certainly are looking forward to the last of the year, the last conversation of the year in December with uh, Anthony McMullen talking about cooperatives and employee-owned companies and cooperatives and initiatives. Uh, then uh, uh, we had a really good AGM as well. Yes, uh, and I have to apologise for my sarcastic comment about AGMs last week. I heard it was a really productive it, AGM it and with some really thoughtful conversations it, it, about future directions for yeah, Borderlands. And particularly also it was a sign of rejuvenation and for us localization in our new place. Hmm. 
Yeah, and I guess there's some upcoming events um, to do with the um, terrible, devastating situation in Palestine. Thousands of people are dying. Um, so if you're on the net, go to um, apan.org.au, apan.org.au, um, and to look at how you can show solidarity for peace in Palestine. If you're not on the net, as I always say, go to your local library and they will connect you up. And um, that website can also give you updates of the situation. You, uh, for updates, you can also tune in to Palestine Remembered on 3CR 9.30am on Saturdays, which is a fantastic program. So thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio. If you want to send us feedback or ideas, you can email borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Our past programs are available by podcast on a variety of platforms and via the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Milku Mana by Stingray. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.